So, like, I am exhausted. I've never been this tired in my life. And yet, at the same mm-hmm. time, like, in context, like, she she's an incredible sleeper for a baby. So it's just, like, a weird... I feel weird about it all, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel yeah. I think, you know, I think it, the, the entire process... Like, the entire thing is just exhausting. And it's yeah. awesome. And it's getting cooler. Mm-hmm. It's getting cooler because she's, like, starting to smile. And, like, nice. like when I hold her, she'll, like... I can feel her, like, kind of untense and, like, give her... Like, put her weight on me, you know? Which is a really mm-hmm. cool feeling. So those, like, kind of indescribable moments are amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It really is. <laughs> Man, you're the, I think you're the first person in the history of the world to say that. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought I was, pro- you know, I thought I had parenting properly rated. And yeah. I think I had it underrated in like every aspect of it. The good, the bad. Dang. Yeah. Would you, would you say that, um, you're never ready to be a parent and then you just do it? Is that is that your conclusion? You know, the thing that's changed about me is that now I speak in platitudes. <laughs> um, do you want to do the intro or should I? You should let's you do it. Okay, I'll do it. Alright. Yeah. Welcome to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator, the only podcast on the internet where we try and uncover the truth of the universe, one Wikipedia article at a time. We are back, folks. We are back and better than ever from a long hiatus. I am, of course, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Mr. Alex Virgil. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be back. Thank you. And I, as, as always, am joined by my my big daddy co-host, John <laughs> Nicholas. You call me big daddy now or nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. Oh, man. And uh, this episode <laughs> is produced by Emmy Sack. We miss you, Emmy. <laughs> yeah, we miss you, Emmy. Hopefully you get home soon. Yeah. Uh, please, please do not assassinate any... Uh, center left heads of state uh yeah. next uh, next little while we're we're hoping for a quiet fall a quiet yes. autumn that would be nice Emmy. or spring in the southern hemisphere where you do yeah. most of your work yeah seriously you know, um, there's something to that folks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how we doing verge how how are I- our things what's good welcome back yeah, um, yeah. We apologize for the delay. Uh, no, I, I don't apologize. I, yeah, there's nothing to apologize for. Uh, we just been, you've been, just been living life, man. Life. Sorry about we've it. been, we've been dealing with the extremes of you know the circle of life. The on circle both ends, of life. Know? Yeah. So when, when every door closes, another one opens. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The spirit of my grandfather is in your daughter. Is in my newborn daughter. <laughs> and newborn daughter. So yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, about right. I, I I'll say this. I I missed you, bud. Yeah, I missed yeah. I missed you. I missed our listeners. Uh, I missed missed the entire process yeah. of um, doing this podcast. I feel um, like I, some of the creases in my brain have smoothed out in the past yeah, month, man. Yeah, you know? absolutely. We were we were on the verge of achieving some level of spiritual awakening, 
that but, never going to happen anymore. Yeah, it's too late. Those what what was the religion has... that we talked about? That um, oh, Manichaeanism. Who, who cares? I don't know. Yeah, I don't care. I honestly, <laughs> I, I, care. I remember introducing it too as like this is going to be. This is like I'm like cracking the door open to some some new threads yeah. here. And then we did that episode, and I've just been watching Sesame Street for the past two weeks. Hell yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's yep. a song, there's an album put out by the Sesame Street folks um, yeah. called, El- I think it's called Elmo's Dance Party. Ooh. Um, and there are some bangers, dude. The Elmo Slide. Ooh. It's like, it's like you know, jump to the front. <laughs> is that jump all original back. work? Or is there, I, there some classics? Yeah. I think it's like. I think it's all original. Well, the ones I've heard are basically like just like pick pick 10, you know, popular like wedding reception dance songs and then like what if what if Elmo Elmo did them. Not like exactly the same, but what if Elmo had conceived of the same song concept, you know what I mean? So the yeah, Elmo yeah, slide doesn't sound so just... like the cha-cha slide. But it's clearly Elmo's cha-cha slide, but musically just skirting different. just 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 far enough around copyright laws. I think mm-hmm, is probably mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. a part of that. There's some royalties yeah. that aren't being paid, and good for them, honestly. Yeah, they um, they uh, successfully skirted. And the Ooh, thing is, honestly, probably Disney owns those like those classic songs anyway. I so assume. Fuck them. I assume. Um, I, I gotta say that that Elmo slide though, man, that's an earworm. So hell yeah! All right, well, highly yeah, recommend. We'll check it out. We're trying to avoid. Marlo really likes the Beach Boys, and um, <laughs> oh, does she? Y- yeah, she does. And I honestly, so okay, so you know how Spotify has the um, this is playlist for like yeah 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 i would say like probably two hundred thousand artists like most mm-hmm. most artists even the mountain goats have a, a it's like playlist. the essentials of yeah streaming, right the the front 10 songs for the beach boys i would put up against any artist in the world in wow history. The, and and like there are other there are probably other artists that have like deeper cuts and larger great discuss, right. but that that front 10 is just like good vibrations into wouldn't it be nice into california Mm -hmm. girls like it's just like Mm -hmm. banger after banger after banger this was the era too when like albums would truly be like all killer no filler yeah so i could see that being because uh amara's into fleetwood mac right now nice yeah so we're getting her into rumors she can sing um Oh, I, I can't remember. There's like one song that's on a playlist so much that she like sings it now and it's like fucking sick. Hell yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Ah. To be young. To be young. She, fucking she's into bubbles. bubbles that's going to be fun. Bubbles rock. Yeah. I was that's... with some little kids the other day that were into bubbles and I was like, yeah, I would. There, there was a bubble gun that was shooting bubbles out that had bubbles inside of the bubbles. Oh, And I was sick. like, that is rad. Like, That's amazing. That is honestly dope. So, yeah, I get it. I get yeah. bubbles a lot. Um, what, I lo- what I love, too, is seeing, seeing my brother-in-law be, like, way more proficient in doing different kinds of bubbles than he was, like, a year ago, you know? Right. Like, Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. But, hey, look at us. Look at us. Um... 
And uh, yeah, what what's going on in the news? We got anything Who to talk about? Knows, dude. Honestly, we don't know. That Fucking this is no like, longer this is no longer an up to date current events podcast. Uh, only it, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna lean more into the bizarre, yeah, and into the the weird, and also into the personal. Maybe this is just yeah. a diary about our lives now. Who knows? If you don't <laughs> like it, fuck you. Go listen yeah, to um, Bastards or the, whatever that history podcast is. Yeah. Probably sucks. Ew. Probably sucks. Probably compared sucks. To, Probably. Compared to us talking about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at the Wikipedia yeah, in the William, news right now. William Shatner went to space. How do we feel about that? William Shatner went to space? Oh, man. You didn't know that? Wow. You're more behind than I am. Who did... William Shatner went to space like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> With, of course, Blue Origins. Oh, of course. God. I got it. We, we got an, an Amazon Alexa, so I got to be careful about what I say now. But, um. Oh, okay. That, that shit sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like. It's so funny because I hate every single thing about it, except the moment they like landed, they're like out in the whatever field in the middle of nowhere, and like Jeff Bezos is like also wearing his like blue suit for some reason. I don't even think he went up, but he's like wearing his spacesuit and this fucking yeah. cowboy hat that he's wearing these days. And William Shatner is like overwhelmed by just the majesty of what he had just experienced. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And in the in like the minute long video where he's like just trying to put it to words i was like damn like i did not expect to be touched by william shatner's emotionality in right. this moment uh yeah yeah fair good for him i'm happy yeah. for william shatner i'm mad about literally everyone else that has gotten to go into space that, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 that's the thing it's like if he was just if he wasn't captain kirk and like was just right as famous as he was for other roles i would still be more pissed but there's something to it where i'm yeah. like yeah all right um yeah but but also it's and but he said at one point he was like everyone needs to experience this and i was like fuck yeah, go you, fuck yourself dude. you know what you cross the line it. yeah fund it for everyone yeah you oh. fucking william shatner you were in miss congeniality like shut, shut the, the fuck up dude up. uh somebody somebody went on a a killing spree in Norway with a bow and arrow. Did you oh, see that? Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, that sucks. Norway's got some that really lunatics, right? Like Norway's got yeah. some real crazies. I mean, there's a reason why like the really like creepy gothicy crime sagas are coming out of that area. Yeah. Did you ever watch again, the Beforeners? Did I ever plug that on the show? No. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, dude, rocks. The best Norwegian television show I've ever seen. I apologize oh, yeah. if this is a crass transition, but I'm going to go with it. Um, yeah, it's about um, it's about like a crime happens in a fictional Norway where there's been some sort of time hole opened up, and so oh, people you did from mention this. other centuries like exist in modern day Norway. So there's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Vikings and like 18th or 19th century Norwegians, like Bohemians, they call them. And it's like, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. it's obviously a, a, an immigration 
metaphor. Right. Uh, but it's very right. fun. It's a very fun show. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm about that. You know, um, being, being, uh, partway through cod, uh, the book. Oh Cod, yes, that's about I, yes, Cod. the book Cod, but by Mark Kurlansky, of course. How could yes. I not have understood James the Beard reference? Winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that show would be interesting because there's like some cool things about like how much the 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 migration patterns of cod have like shaped. Yeah, you know, ge- like exploration and geopolitics in the north and shit. So yeah, maybe some of that will play into I, it. I feel like this is relevant um, to, in the wake of last week. We're recording this on 1016. Columbus slash Ind- Indigenous Peoples Day was yeah. last Monday, 1011. I feel like it's relevant mm-hmm. to give a quick shout out to the Basques who yeah. found that who were clearly yeah, there found <laughs> the new the new world hundreds of years before um columbus and they just kept it to themselves because they wanted the fishing grounds to themselves actually this is a great this is a great transition do you know what time it is virgil we're going into it oh yes i don't tell me what time it is it is time for ethnic enclave of the week Uh, um today i want to talk about a very special uh, set of islands. Set of oh, islands yeah. in the North Atlantic that are called St. Okay. Pierre and Miquelon. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, sir. St. Pierre okay. and Miquelon is um, a self-governing territorial overseas collectivity of France in the northwestern Atlantic Ocean. I sure know what that means. Um, just off the yeah, just off the coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. Okay. So like cod country. Yes, and on a map, um it's let's see. 19 kilometers, 12 miles from Point May on the Burren Peninsula of okay. Newfoundland. So like literally okay. 12 miles right offshore. You could see it, you know, yeah. uh, and I don't mm-hmm. know why I I was looking at this, but I found myself on it. Uh, okay, and <laughs> found myself reading, and I found myself immersed in thinking about this tiny, fucking rocky island in the North Atlantic that, for yeah. whatever reason, is completely and utterly removed from the culture that it aligns itself with so you know ah. this is a this is this is a, a group of islands let's see I'll, I'll tell you how many people live there um where yeah. five thousand nine hundred and ninety nine and ninety seven people live on in this overseas territory the ma- grand uh-huh. majority are like like from their generation generationally from been from that it's like 90 percent their other 10 percent okay. are french citizens so it's not even uh-huh. like this these islands like have almost no connection to Canada, interaction with Canada. It's just a fucking French village, a true ethnic enclave, a true French village uh-huh. in the middle of the North Atlantic, completely separated from their uh, you know, their mother culture. 
Yeah. And they are, you know, uh, it's a fishing village um, Mm -hmm. that has been around since the, like, 1670s. There have been French people living on this island in the North Atlantic. Um, So I... When I was reading about this the other day on my phone, I, I took two screenshots of parts of the history that I found particularly um, insane. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, there, there are more than just those two, but we'll start there. So, with France supporting the U.S. during the U.S. Revolutionary War, Great Britain mm-hmm. invaded and razed the colony in 1778 sending the entire population of 2,000 people back to France. In 1793, the Mm. British landed landed in St. Pierre, and the following year again expelled the French population and tried to install British settlers. The British colony was in turn sacked by French troops in 1796. The Treaty of Amiens of 1802 returned the islands to France, but Britain reoccupied them when hostilities recommenced the next year. So I like, think about being a French person you speak french yeah. you eat you know french food you fish yeah in the great banks or whatever they call newfoundland and just uh-huh. suddenly unbeknownst to you french and british are fighting some war for land that you have no <laughs> idea about for people who are trying to free themselves and they come into your house and they're like you have to go back to france right now like the 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 truck like the the examples of like historical trauma it made me think mm-hmm. about how the examples of historical trauma run so deep like the people that lived on this island gener like just like the generational trauma of the shit that they've gone through is so built up mm-hmm. and has to be so ingrained in the culture um the other thing that i thought was a great story is the only time the guillotine was used in North America oh. was on St. Pierre in the late 19th century. Okay. Joseph Nael was convicted of killing Mr. Coupard uh, in a town on uh, the 30th of December 1888 and subsequently executed by guillotine on August 24th, 1889. The device had to be shipped from Martinique and it did not arrive in working order. It was very difficult to get anyone to perform the execution. Finally, mm. a recent immigrant was coaxed into doing the job. <laughs> like, imagine that story of these, like, people, and they're like, okay, somebody killed somebody, like, of yeah. according to the, you know, the lay of the land of the times, so, like, that guy's got to die. But who's going to do yeah. it? You know, like, this little community <laughs> figuring out who's going who's gonna to run the guillotine. Yo, let's make the new guy do it. Yeah. <laughs> new guy. Uh, and then this is... Wait, I just got here. You're going to kill me? <laughs> I have to kill... No, no, no. You have to kill <laughs> someone else. No, no, no. You're fine, dude. Um, this is the last one. In the 20th century, um, the draft was... in The French... The, you know, the, the country of France had a draft for World War I. Um, and okay. the draft imposed on all male inhabitants of conscript age uh, crippled the fisheries because um, about 400 mm. men from the colony served in the French military during World War One, 25% mm-hmm. of whom died. 
Mm. So think, I mean, it's like, a, like at that point, like 3,000 people live there. 400 yeah. men just leave. So yeah. it's like essentially all of the men that live on St. Pierre and Miquelon just yeah. fucking leave to go fight a war yeah. and a hundred of them die. Like, like we're talking about massive percentages of people on this community that has never gotten bigger. It's been like the exact same size for hundreds of years. Yeah. Generational trauma, man. That's some there's shit, just, dude. There's just That's a lot of trauma shit. in St. Pierre and Miquelon that I found myself having a ton of pathos for when I read their Wikipedia article. Yeah. Yeah. All the best yeah. to the St. Pierre. Good luck, guys. So, so wait, by living there, you're not Canadian. No, you're French. You're not like you're not even like a pass. You're not a passport holder. It's just you're like French. You're not Canadian. Like you have no, you have wow. no relationship with the country of Canada. That's crazy. It's so close to it's Newfoundland. Twelve miles. Yeah. It looks wow. hellish too. To be completely honest, yeah. like the pictures of it don't make it look very appealing. Yeah, yeah. Outside, the the town looks pretty. Yeah. To visit, it looks pretty pretty. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no Svalbard. Small, it small is no. Bard. Sp- I mean, if we're talking about islands, there's no Svalbard. Yeah, they don't have the seed bank there. True. Yeah, you have to. I don't know. Hunt polar bears in Svalbard. Yeah. Ah, Saint Pierre. Yeah. I hope they got good cod numbers. Yeah, I hope they're doing okay with the fisheries. It looked yeah. like um, yeah. it looked like the majority of what they fish now is crustaceans. So I think ah. there it's a big time lobster fishing. Lobster. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope they catch a lot yeah. of lobster. It was a, it was interesting reading the first like the first chapter of cod is like about. Like present day cod fishermen mostly get paid by like the researchers and conservationists to like keep track and not to like not as like a cod industry thing. And I was like, damn and then I was like, When was this book published? Like thirty right. years ago. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's like, oh, they've just You know, I I mean I can't imagine it's gotten that much you better. You can't really You can't just like go to a store and expect to get cod anymore. Like cod is yeah. not something and that's probably because we live on the Pacific Ocean. I don't know. But I was thinking about that. That, like, for hunt centuries, cod was the most... It was, like, the driving sea That was food. the fish, man. If you ate fish, you yeah. ate cod. And now yeah. now we're eating salmon? What's, what's the deal with that, you know? It's like, a, this is like my... <laughs> I don't, personally, I this don't. This is like my <laughs> Seinfeld impression. It's like, you used to eat cod. <laughs> Now you... Where's all the cod? <laughs> what is this? Can I have some uh, halibut? St. Pierre and Miquelon. Brief stop on the tour. Yeah. I don't know. We might but... not be able to get a visa there. I don't. I feel like they would be yeah. very skeptical of a um, conversation about... Be like, yeah. I don't know that they would love for me to say that they have generational trauma. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all they are. Their entire identity is wrapped it's, around it. It's just wrapped around this trauma. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, yes. Well, yeah, not the most inspiring ethnic enclave uh, that I've ever done, but for the conversational for the conversational segue alone, I just kept thinking, like, 
the the history is like pretty bleak and the wikipedia mm-hmm. page is like such a matter of fact like telling of it but yeah. like just horrible tragedy after horrible tragedy mm-hmm. just people whose homes are constantly being raised over wars that they have no part in um like going to fight in wars that they also have no part in there's so much pathos in the 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 guillotine story yeah like who's yeah. gonna run who like who has to be the executioner like these, like these, that new immigrant may have just seen the most by virtue of having been in france you know right yeah or like have seen any yeah and so well i will say um french executions will come up again albeit yes. briefly but yeah. you will in my topic hell yeah crazy crazy we've never never mind it's just me repeating what i've said so many episodes about god no, I'm just yeah. <laughs> uh i feel god in this podcast today yeah that's for sure that's gonna be the next uh next uh podcast we do should just be called I feel God in this podcast. I feel God in this podcast. Welcome to the I feel God in this podcast. That's one way to gather an audience. Yeah. Pretend like you're prophets. Yeah. It's been done to great, great success before. Here's my thing about like prophets is like how many of them are saying something different from previous prophets really? So if you just keep that message going, you can just say you're a prophet, right? Yeah, it's like you got something to say. So just yeah. lie about the fact that God told you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's uh, that's our intro subject for today. Are we ready for... Do you want to start? Do you want to go first? Uh, I, I'm down to... I got some lighter fare, like really going back to basics. Yep. Um, so... Would you rather with no, yours? No, I'm like, I'm also it? just a lighthearted single page like fuck yeah, good good hearted fun. Uh, listeners, Virgil asked that this episode be a quote unquote monster of the week episode, <laughs> and so we're really just looking for some fun. This is a nice yep. little you're driving home from work commute like yep. uh, easy listening episode. So yep. so Virgil, I say you just go right into it, man. All right, yeah. None of that where's Mulder stuff. Mm-mm. Ugh. Exhausting. No, we're not mm. introducing any new religions today. Nope. Um, yo, have you ever delved into the life of famed actor, English actor, Christopher Lee? No. <laughs> no, I have not. Christopher Lee has led about the fullest life you could. And, um, and and this is one of those where ultimately the invitation for the listener is to go read through it yourself. Um, it's a long page for one person who for our generation is almost singularly noted for being in two Star Wars movies and the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. But um, this dude's a champ. So... A uh, couple quick highlights from f- before we get too deep into it. Um, Christopher Lee is said to be the inspiration for James Bond. Whoa! Because of his actual life, he is also he he witnessed the last execution in France, and 
Uh, he is the only person who worked on the Lord of the Rings trilogy who's like met J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Whoa! Wait, and so so um, this is Ian Fleming's inspiration. Yeah, like um, wow, because he's Ian Fleming's step cousin. Wow. Yeah. So um, step cousin. Okay. Christopher Lee. Um, for those of you unfamiliar, Christopher Lee played Saruman on uh, the Lord of the Rings. That's who how I know him. I I yeah. had to look up the the Star Wars because I'm so unfamiliar with the uh, yeah episodes one, two, and three. But he's Count Dooku. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now now it's coming back. Now it's coming back. <laughs> But Saruman is the, I think, the heavy hitter yeah. role. Saruman yeah. is the heavy hitter. He kicked Gandalf's ass in the first one, and yep. then, of course, uh, got his ass kicked. Um, the The main reason I remember him as Count Dooku is because he has a he has this weird like bendy hilt on his lightsaber, and I remember as a kid watching it, being like, "There's no way that's like helpful as a sword. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way." Um, but okay, let's get into it. Sir Christopher Frank Carandini Lee. Carandini. Carandini is a big one. He is a CBE, the most excellent order of the British Empire. Okay. Um, and he is an English author, actor, actor, author, and singer with a career spanning nearly seven decades. Wow. Yeah, he was well known for portraying villains. Uh, gaining recognition for appearing as Count Dracula in seven Hammer horror films. Huh. He played Dracula nine times. So I think for, like, uh, old people, that's his most... He's Dracula. Like, oh, yeah, he's Dracula. Is he? Know? Do you think he's the most, like, recognizable Dracula? Um... Or I is think there, oh, in maybe, name, uh, it's Bella Lugosi, right? Yeah, Bella Lugosi. But um, interesting. But, okay. Yeah, I would so, say for like people who are just like for the layman, for the layperson, yeah, he probably is. Interesting. Um, interesting. He was knighted in two thousand nine for his acting and charity, and uh, he's just been in a ton of movies. He's been in five Tim Burton movies. He was wow. in the original Wicker Man, which is like the good Wicker Man, you know. Um, I guess depending on your tastes. Yeah. But prior to his acting career, he served in the Royal Air Force as an intelligence officer, attached wow. to the two sixty num- number two sixty squadron as a liaison officer for special operations executive. Whew. very cool. Um. Okay. He was also a heavy metal. He was in uh heavy metal bands um when so uh he was in charlemagne the omens of death is a uh is the fourth and final album by actor and heavy metal singer christopher lee i'm gonna share my screen real quick to show you the uh yeah album cover um boom that's the album cover wow okay yeah he's old as shit there too <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right like uh, yeah okay this was so 2013 out, oh my god yeah he, he's got 
he's got to be like sport. 70 plus like 75 years old in that yeah um this is 10 years after the lord of the rings uh it, it oh was god, released was... on his 91st oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so so yeah i mean this is the guy and charlemagne is he, his his like on his mother's side he's like a descendant of charlemagne is Charlemagne a, a character that is? I, I feel like I feel like with all whole like that. I feel like Charlemagne. If I heard a, there's a death metal band or heavy metal band that appropriates Charlemagne, I'm like, yeah. okay, those guys are fascists, right? Like right. those guys right. like have something <laughs> like that. That makes me all right. This guy's a British intelligence officer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In a f- fascist leaning death metal band, I'm just gonna go out there and say it. Mm-hmm. Let's let's keep going because I'm curious yeah. where we're gonna go with this guy. You're not not onto something. <laughs> um, yeah, but okay. Let's just uh, his early life is four paragraphs long. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. But uh, he was born in Belgravia, London, the son of Lieutenant Colonel Geoffrey Trollope Lee and and his wife, Countess Estelle Marie. Lee's father uh, fought in the First World War and the what? How do you pronounce this? The Bear War, the Boer War? Boer. Boer? Boer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his mother was an Edwardian beauty who was painted by Sir John Lavery, Oswald Burley, and Olive Snell, and sculpted by Claire Sheridan. Her lineage can be traced to Charlemagne. Yeah, these people Lee's... are the are the biggest Tories that have ever existed. Oh, ever, oh. ever existed. Hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred million percent. Lee's maternal great grandfather was an Italian political refugee. Jerome Carandini, uh, the Marquis of Sarzano, whose wife was English-born opera singer Marie Carandini. So he's like, you know, he's coming from. What year is he a political refugee? This is, um, he doesn't even have a page, bro. I don't know. I don't know, because if he's a political refugee, well... Great. This is Lee's great grandfather. So like. Oh, okay. Like this is like what, eighteen, early eighteen something. Yeah, it strikes me. Okay, political refugee from Italy in the mid nineteenth century means that he was anti-Italian, like um, national. Like he was a a royalist, right? Like I feel like that has because like that's the unification of Italy. I don't know. It's like the um my parents escaped from Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This guy is an Italian gusano if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah. Um Okay, so his parents were separated and divorced and then um uh Lee's mother eventually remarried to Harcourt George St. Croix Rose, a banker and uncle of Ian Fleming. Um, Fleming thus became Lee's step cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those, this is one of those things where it's like by virtue of coming from the family that he's from, 
Here's a sentence. One night, he was introduced to Prince Yusupov and Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich, the assassins of Grigory Ros- Rasputin. Um, he just was introduced to them. Wow. And, okay. Uh, this is a very much like a... Um, I feel like every time, every once in a while, you come across people who are like bridges. Like, have you ever heard the statistic that... Um, is it like Ronald Reagan and Harriet Tubman were alive at the same time or something? Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that kind of shit. It's that kind of shit, right? Like it's like yeah, the guy completely. that was the guy that was in Lord of the Rings was alive at the same or in the same room as yeah. Rasputin's assassins. Like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it even a step further and say the guy that was in. Episode two, Attack of the Clones, <laughs> and episode three, The Revenge of the Sith. Right. Um. Yeah. So. Like, like that makes like, that makes John Boyega six degrees yeah. of separation less less than six degrees of separation away from Anastasia of yep. the Romanov family. Yep. Like. There yeah, it is. Like three, three <laughs> yeah. degrees. <laughs> John Boyega. <laughs> um, I love that so much. That's awesome. Uh, so then he like goes. He he was sent to Summerfield School at the age of nine. We're still at age nine right now. Okay. Um, he he like acted some in school and whatever. But at this point, the acting stuff is like the least interesting. Um, he applied for a scholarship to Eton, where. His interview was in the presence of the ghost story author Montague Rhodes James. His poor math skills meant he was placed 11th and thus missed out on being a king scholar by one place. Okay. His st- his stepfather was not prepared to pay the higher fees that being an Oppidan scholar meant, so he attended Wellington College instead. Um and he studied ancient Greek and Latin, the classics. Okay. Um very interesting uh he disliked the parades and weapons training and would always play dead as soon as possible during mock battles i love that uh lee was frequently beaten at school including once at wellington for being beaten too often (laughs) (laughs) though he accepted them as logical and therefore acceptable punishments for knowingly breaking the rules feisty boy feisty boy his his mother separated from Rose and Lee had to get a job, um, but with most employers go go on or preparing to go on summer holidays, there were no immediate opportunities for Lee, so he was sent to the French Riviera where his sister was on holiday with friends. Um, just like I would if I yeah could that that sounds right that sounds about what happens yeah. to me yeah. On his way there, he briefly stopped in Paris, where he stayed with the journalist Webb Miller, a friend of Rose, his uh, ex-stepdad, and witnessed Eugene Weidman, Eugen Weidman's execution by guillotine, the last public execution performed in France. What year is that? 1939. That's wild to think about that there was an execution yeah. by guillotine in 1939, 1939 in France. 39. Public execution, yeah. no less. Oof. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Uh, and then 
so then that's essentially the end of his um oh sorry arriving in menton menton uh he stayed with the Russian Mazarov family, living among exiled princely families. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so then he has a ton of military service. He's, like, going all over the place. He he volunteered for the Royal Air Force because he didn't want to go in the Army and he wanted to join up when he had a choice. So he, and he, he wanted to be a pilot, but then uh, he suffered in... Lee was having his penultimate training session before his first solo flight when he suffered from headaches and blurred vision. And he was hesitantly diagnosed with a failure of his optic nerve and he was told he would never be able to fly again, allowed to fly again. Wow. Yeah. Um, he was devastated and the death of a fellow trainee from Summerfields only made him more despondent. His appeals were fruitless, and he was left with nothing to do. So then he started moving around doing different RAF jobs um, in Africa. So so another one of those, like, dude, this dude was old as fuck. Yeah. He was posted to Southern Rhodesia's capital, <laughs> Salisbury, in December 1941. Um, and so he was in Africa doing all this stuff. After killing time at RAF Kasfarit near the Great Bitter Lake in the Suez Canal Zone, he resumed intelligence work and started doing a bunch of intelligence work. Almost died a couple times because he was fucking literally doing like spy shit, James yeah. Bond shit. Yeah. Um, his squadron's airfield was bombed. He once tripped over a bomb after his plane crashed and almost died. Um, but then he got moved to Italy. Uh, he spent most of his time with the Gurkhas of the Eighth Indian Infantry during the Battle of Monte Cassino. While spending some time on leave in Naples, he climbed Mount Vesuvius, which erupted three days later. <laughs> it's weird. This, this is, is one a- of those guys, dude. It's it's funny because it's like, like certain things um sound like a publicist wrote it. But he also mm-hmm. like had like such a signet like a like a, a full enough life that it's not like I think his publicist did probably write his Wikipedia page, but <laughs> also at the same time, like it's a fucking great story. It is. Yeah. Dude, for how long this page was, I can't tell you how quickly I like read through it because it was such a like fun, breezy read yeah. of just all these little moments. Uh then he was he basically moved towards germany with he he took part in forward planning and liaison in preparation for a potential assault into the rumored german alpine forest so he's like very much in it after for the final few months of his service lee who spoke fluent french italian and german among other languages was seconded to the central registry of war criminals and security suspects suspects he was tasked with helping to track down nazi war criminals wow of his time of the organization lee said we were given dossiers of what they'd done and told to find them interrogate them as much as we could and hand them over to the appropriate authority uh and then and then he retired in 1946 that's why so in 1946 how old would he have been he was born in 
22. So he was 24 before. Oh my god. And then he was 24. Everything I just read was before 24. That's crazy. Yeah. And then he um And this is the part that's most just like, ugh, like this is like the rich person's life trajectory. Returning to London in 1946, Lee was offered his old job back at Beecham's, which I had completely blown over because it was just like an office job with a significant raise, but he turned them down as, quote, I couldn't think myself back into the office frame of mind. Fuck yeah. <laughs> the armed forces were sending veterans. It's like, is it because you went through the horrors of war or are you just like a, a, a rich yeah. guy? Um, the armed forces were sending veterans into education, but Lee felt his Latin was too rusty and didn't care for strict curfews. <laughs> During lunch with his cousin, and this is how it always happens in Hollywood and stuff, during his during lunch with his cousin Niccolo Carandini, now the Italian ambassador to Britain, of course, Lee was detailing his war wounds when Carandini said, "Why don't you become an actor?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think that's what life was like. Like it's like if you were that, in a position enough to not just be like one of like the the fucking like gun fodder of like mm-hmm. that. This is the 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 grand reality of the world like before like 30 years ago is that you were either yep. like 90 percent of the world which is just fucking like like mulch like you are literally mm-hmm. just fertilizer for the horrors of the tragedy of the world or that other 10 yep. percent of people who is just like oh all right why don't you become an actor and i yeah, and i like, don't oh, know yeah. if it's if it's uh, like I think that that the world has become more developed in a way that more people are part of that ten percent, mm-hmm. right? But like, mm-hmm. it, it still, our conversation is like seeped and painted by being a part of that group, where it's just like, why don't you do this? All right, I will. It's in my Wikipedia article now. Over yeah. like the yeah. global poor that just are live like a like you know just this abject life of like. The, the blip in Saint Pierre and Miquelon, like you're one of yep. to the twenty five percent that just don't come home. <laughs> yep, and then yeah, who who've just been left on the fields of fucking you know France or Austria or Germany or yeah. whatever, and you're just like, okay, yeah, you know, sounds oh, good. Okay. <laughs> um, and of course, so he met with Niccolo's friend, uh, Filippo de del Judas, who was a lawyer turned producer. Lee recalled that Judas, quote, looked me up and down and concluded that I was just what the industry had been looking for. <laughs> that's how it, that's how and, it happens. And, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the rest is just like his acting history, which is like what you'd expect from any actor who's lived this long, where it was like, yeah, he played Dracula a bunch. Uh, he did a lot of movies with peter cushing who was the uh the non darth vader main bad guy in the original star wars um and then like did a he played sherlock holmes once or twice you know in a thing in like the 70s or whatever and and like acted a bunch (laughs) that's why oh and he and he was um this is like fun if you're like kind of into movies and stuff. But uh, uh, after the mid '70s, Lee issued horror roles almost entirely. 
um, Ian Fleming had offered him the role of the titular antagonist in the first Eon-produced Bond film, Dr. No. Hmm. Lee enthusiastically accepted, but by the time Fleming told the producers they had already chosen Joseph Wiseman for the role, uh, Lee finally got to play a James Bond villain in The Man with the Golden Gun, in which he was cast as the deadly assassin Francisco Scaramanga. Interesting. Um, Lee said of his performance, In Fleming's novel, he's just a West Indian thug, but in the film, he's charming, elegant, amusing, lethal. I played him like the dark side of Bond, which is so fun when you realize that the character of Bond was actually like yeah. physically inspired by him. Yeah. So that's just like fun. That is fun. Interesting. Yeah. Interestingly, the biggest regret Lee's biggest regret of his career was not taking the role of Dr. Loomis in John Carpenter's uh, Halloween, of all things. He Interesting. He wasn't in Halloween, and that's his biggest uh I never, I, I guess because of his role as Saruman, I never, well, first of all, if you had to list, like, the best actor like villain actors like he's got he's like mm. potentially number one right like he made an entire yeah, career out of so. being a villain and it's crazy to think that james bond who is like a top five hero figure in cinema yeah. cinema of all time like is based on an actor who eventually became known almost exclusively for his villain roles yeah might tell you something about the character james bond you know, yeah, it really makes you Ooh, think. Yeah, uh, makes you think. Uh, and then also, what a what a weird as an actor, what a weird thing to just kind of like, like obviously just be good at, like good at being mm-hmm. evil on film, you know, mm-hmm. and just lean in. That's that's the thing where like, it's it's very interesting. Now that I think about like dualities yeah. of like your identity, blah blah blah, and like. In, especially in terms of acting there really is something to like guys that play heroes have a big propensity of being dicks and guys <laughs> yeah. that play villains are actually really nice because yeah. it's like yeah because people that play villains like know that within them and choose not to be yeah them. it's an ego death right yeah it really yeah. is Interesting. Um, but they're just good enough to like go into that aspect of themselves that they recognize consciously and eschew in their regular totally. lives. Cool. Um, and that's okay. like ultimately pretty much it. Uh, oh, I would have to <laughs> follow um, this at the end with uh, physical characteristics and beliefs. Um, the first part is that he's really tall. He's 6'5". But um, Lee identified as an Anglo-Catholic Christian. Politically, Lee supported the Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. He described Michael Howard as the ideal person to lead the party mm-hmm. in 2003 and also supported William Hague and David Cameron. Yeah, yeah, he um, did. So, you know. You can't, you know, yeah, you can't get away from your royalist path. You passed, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're. You're tied to the ties that bind you. Yeah. So I think ultimately in, in regards to the most important aspect of this, which is his um, heavy metal albums, is I think we got to listen to it actually individually and decide for ourselves. Uh, yeah. The heavy metal, that is really weird. Like, yeah. He, because, okay, I'm looking at it now because 
it's a studio studio album by Christopher Lee, which I find mm-hmm. very strange. Like to do a heavy metal album that is like self a solo artist, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the weirdest. <laughs> Absolutely, are the weirdest. And do have multiple albums that are called that are about Charlemagne. Yeah weird stuff like that's some pretty fucking that's some psycho shit or and or it is indicative of like what i would equate to like actor brain which Mm -hmm. is that like no matter how clever you are if you are an actor you're like dumb as rocks like the best (laughs) actors are absolutely utterly dumb as shit (laughs) you know what i mean yeah dude you just like it's hard to tell man (laughs) it's hard to tell dude it's always hard to tell it's like you can't escape it i mean you are just so dumb like even our friends who i'm like oh they're very smart whip smart but they're also just so fucking dumb yeah because yeah you kind of have to be you Um, have to be like that's the only way to be a good actor yeah um my favorite thing is that the first album came out in 1998 (laughs) Which means he started his heavy metal career in his late 60s, mid 60s, 70s, mid 70s. Uh, Okay, I need to say something too, because it looks like Charlemagne, the Charlemagne albums Mm -hmm. uh, are symphonic metal. Their concept, yeah. the first one, Charlemagne by the Sword and the Cross, is yep. a symphonic metal concept album by actor Christopher Lee. But then you go uh-huh. to 2006 album, Revelation, yeah. is it, it, the album cover is like kind of, it's like in the Globe Theater, I think. And it's, it's like. It's, it's the worst album cover, but it's the most. Uh, like what i would expect <laughs> and it looks like it looks like it could be from the movie a mighty wind like as like a folk <laughs> mm-hmm. album cover like it's i think it's gonna be our thumbnail like in some form or fashion it's uh, gotta be un unbelievable stuff like just the 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 music stuff because this is actually kind of a callback um because if you'll remember our favorite dumb guy actor mm. of all times yes. is also a musician yeah. mr jeremy renner. renner and dumb guy actors turned musicians is one of the, the the coolest most stupid fucking things in the world I and love christopher lee despite having a, a very full very active wikipedia filled life uh-huh. is no exception to the dumb guy actor singer yeah. pipeline yeah this music probably sucks so fucking hard. I love it. it I can't wait. Yeah. It's it, they're in acts. Uh, Revelation, by the way, the one that's not heavy metal is all covers. One of them, one of the covers is the little drummer boy. Yep, looks like multiple <laughs> multiple Christmas songs on this, yeah. but it's not a Christmas album. Yep. Oh my god. This is a guy. This is a guy who, um. Got to an age, did so much in his life that he was just like, I have to cross off my bucket list 
not because I'm running out of time, but I'm running out of shit to do in my life. Oh my god. Good. Cuz he he covers I Don Quixote, which is like a friggin' like musical opera song. Yeah. And then he covers High Noon. Oh, what a beautiful morning. The little drummer boy, the, Silent Night, so, and ends it with My yeah, Way. Yeah, the, so. the little drummer boy, Silent Night, into My Way as the last song <laughs> on the album is one of the most unhinged, yeah. insane dumb guy actor things I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, it's just, he's just like the sheer arrogance of that. To be like, mm-hmm. someone wants to listen to this. Someone is mm-hmm. listening to this album. What possible situation are people listening to this album front to back? Like, what is the situation? It's it's both Christmas, but you don't want that, and you want actor Christi- Sir Christopher Lee to be serenading you. Yep, unbelievable stuff. I love it's it. It's amazing. I'm all in, all in on Christopher Lee. So yeah, if nothing else, um, illustrious, illustrious, an illustrious life. Yeah, um, he's also put Hell out yeah. two two heavy metal Christmas out EPs, so gotta check all that out. Oh my god! Um, all right, um, but that's the that's the that's, life of Sir yeah. Christopher Lee. Saruman, wow. what a life. Count Dooku, what a life! I came in in expecting to be impressed by him, and there <laughs> were elements that I was impressed by, but I think. This is a true meta conversation. Like every yeah. once in a while, we don't talk about a topic. We talk about like the Wikipedia article itself and yeah. like the top, how the topic relates to the way that it is expressed. And I feel like we're, we're right in that wheelhouse today. Yeah. With Chris really like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, hilarious. Hilarious. And he did it his, his way. way. Thank you, Paul Anka. Thank you, Paul Anka. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um. Okay. Well, today I want to talk about um something very, very tragic that happened in the 12th century. Oh no! In the uh, Holy Roman Empire. Oh no, something tragic happened in the Holy Roman Empire? I you wouldn't believe it, right? But That's ridiculous. Uh, tragic and, as some articles would state, humiliating. Uh, <laughs> so today I want to talk about the Erfurt Latrine disaster. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and there's not a ton of reading, but... Uh-huh. Um, in July 1184, Henry VI, the king of <laughs> Germany, later known as yeah. the Holy Roman Emperor, held court uh. at a Hoftag in the Petersburg Citadel in Erfurt. <laughs> okay. On the morning of 26th of July, the combined weight of the assembled nobles caused the wooden second-story floor of the Peterskirche to collapse and most of them fell through into the latrine cesspit below the ground floor, <gasps> where about 60 of them drowned in liquid excrement. Oh. The event is called Erfurter Latrinensturs, the Erfurt Latrine Fall in several German sources. Oh my god. Uh, Wait. So <laughs> yeah. let me let me let me just get he, let me just so too many people on the second floor. 
they all fell into a giant pit of just so poo goo. So let's. We're, so now that now that we know the punchline, let's let's yeah. take a, a step back and we'll try and okay. understand. This is what I, okay. I like. I tried to understand like the context, right? Okay. So so in Germany at the time, um, this is Henry the Sixth is the um, king of Germany. His father is this guy, Frederick Barbarossa, who okay. you may be familiar with. Our listeners might be familiar with, like as a name. It's like one of like the, the greatest leaders in, of Germany, like, what, like a, a German mm-hmm. like king of kings, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And during this time, there was this guy, Henry the Lion, um, who yeah. was attempting to like kind of consolidate power after the death of frederick barbarossa he was successfully like dealt with but then it led to all of this infighting among noble people uh and so there was a feud between louis the third of thuringia and archbishop conrad of mainz both of these Mm -hmm. thuringia and mainz are both central german regions or cities um okay feud between the two so, King Henry the Sixth, who is the you know the ultimate monarch of both of those areas, says, "Okay, well, we're just gonna get everybody together in Erfurt, and we're gonna figure this shit out." No pun mm. intended. Um, <laughs> and so he calls what is uh, what is known as a Hoftag, uh, which was like okay. the name given to an informal and irregular assembly convened by the the Holy Roman Emperor um cool and uh sometimes known as a diet like just a meeting Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so yeah there were hundreds of people that were meeting so so setting the stage trying to trying to jump into these people's shoes like yeah they're all fucking pissed off about yeah like this uncertainty feuding people it can't be good for business right can't be good for their their little like all these noblemen they like this is the 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 height of feudalism. So you've got your your dukes who uh, have to report to a baron, who have to report to right. a count, who then report to the king. So all the way down, mm-hmm. these guys are all like, these guys are fucking up my shit, uh, yeah. and so they they they're all excited. They probably have never held a meeting this big because like the tendrils of this feud go on forever. Mm-hmm. And so they all go into this old building and they're sitting on the second floor and they are standing on rotted wood. And it literally <laughs> at the beginning of the meeting, the floor fucking gives out. And the sources I was reading, it says, they, surely some people died from the the, the fall. Um, uh-huh. But then clearly it's very well noted that many, many of the 60 dead people died because they drowned in shit. Oh. Oh. Dog. I can't even. That's horrifying. Terrible. Worst way to die. Probably the single worst way to die ever recorded. Because I've had, like, underwater dreams, like, you know whether i experienced the drowning in my dream or whatever but like i've contemplated like the the minutia of what it might feel like 
And then now I have to replace all of the water with shit. With shit. And imagine the because same thing. Because I was reading a little bit about, like, castles, like how castles were set up. And yeah. it sounds like, so, essentially, they would just dig underneath the, like, the bottom floor, right? So the bottom floor would, there would be a hole, there would be a, uh-huh. a um, like, a septic tank. And most castles, like, uh, so the king's quarters, let's say, you have a, 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 a kind of um, a little window, not window, or, like the room where the bathroom is uh-huh. sticks out past the actual foundation of the, of the ah. house. And it just like and so there's a out. hole that goes all the way down. So you just sit on it and you shit into it. And it goes all the way into like there's it's just uses gravity to send shit into this pile, yeah. and they would never there was no mechanism that they could drain that, so it would be uh-huh. like that for like I don't know like three decades, and then you would just fill over it, so you'd like fill it like you'd put shit. I guess they didn't have concrete then yet, but like you'd like fill it with stuff so that it would turn solid. So these yeah. guys broke through the floor into that. Not only was it just shit, it was shit that had been there for for tens, twenties of years. Do you know what kind of disease it has to be in that kind of shit? Like I I how did Europe <laughs> yeah. survive? How uh it is, I mean, it is a true, it's a true tragedy that the dirtiest people in the world are the ones that got some tr- trigger of technology and immorality to, like, essentially yeah. take over the world. Like, I'm embarrassed at how long in my life I saw them as, like, kind of, like, the above, most yeah. refined and cleanest. Yeah. No, Europeans are the dirtiest, dirtiest people that have ever existed. Ah. Uh. You fucking, and now the richest among you are saying you guys don't even shower and wash your feet. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? What is going what is on? What is going dude? on? Yeah, uh, uh, sixty people drowned in liquid poo. Yep. And all so okay. So Henry the Sixth was sitting in a stone alcove. So essentially, the problem mm. was that the floors were made of wood. So the floors gave out. Yeah. So he's sitting in his like king chair on a st- on stone. So he just yeah, yeah, watched yeah. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, oh. apparently, both Louis the Third of Thuringia and Archbishop Conrad fell into it, and they climbed uh-huh. out. They were able to both. They both survived. They climbed out of the shit pool and then had to continue being like your eminence <laughs> i think i mean i think that their their feud must have ended with the latrine disaster they had to be like i because of the shared trauma <laughs> yeah this doesn't matter anymore i don't even know what we were mad about you know like did you see all of our friends yeah. drown in shit dude I am I am now curious like what the what like the official not just official but like the scholarly research on the fallout from that event was, you know? Like yeah. how that affected politics and the economy moving forward. Yeah. 
I agreed. I, I the only the mm-hmm. only um, primary source I found was this uh-huh. one one uh, paragraph, and it said, "The King Henry was passing through Erfurt on his way to Poland, and found there Conrad of Mainz, who was having a violent dispute with Ludwig of Thuringia, while he was sitting uh-huh. trying to make peace among them, surrounded by many in a high room." The building suddenly collapsed and many fell in the lower well. Some of them laboriously saved while others suffocated in the mud. Ah, oh, I don't that's so gross. That's so terrible. I don't even know how much more I could laugh at this because of just 60 people. <laughs> that's so many. I so yeah, I was thinking about this because when I first read about it, I was like, what a story, right? Like, but yeah, but yeah. Cont- I think, I think the thing that is so interesting about thinking about the story of this is uh-huh. tr- it's less interesting as a story of the past because it is so essentially right. unessential, right? It's like ultimately mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. scope of time and humanity, like, this changed nothing. It did nothing. It meant nothing. These the the lives lost are like meaningless to like the sand castles of time, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But thinking about someone in mm-hmm. the context of living their life, this feud, whatever it is, clearly affected a lot of people. So that hundreds decided they had to yeah. go to a meeting to talk about it, and then like at the time, I imagine it was like especially locally like kind of like an unprecedented yeah and it was yeah. like oh ha- like like the, the, that kind of probably that feeling of exciting and it's like look think about it, like all these people are coming together we're gonna solve this yeah, yeah, and then the something something so abjectly horrifying happening happening to all of them and just like the the fallout like it's it's a much more interesting story in the context of not knowing what the future is right like yeah. like that's it it is a story where the punchline kind of sucks the air out of the entire narrative of it all but in the mm-hmm. moment like yeah. how like how could this happen like we're just trying to solve a how dispute d- and these people are drowning in shit i want to know like at the fucking taverns where like the 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 fucking peasants who are right clearly affected by whatever decisions are being made but very much don't have any say or like whatever are sitting there and one of them's like yo did like did you hear what happened yeah are they laughing like are those people laughing yeah are they like they're like laughing until they stop and they go what does this mean for us but like is is the idea the idea of drowning in shit like is that that had to have been like shit is shit right like and so it's always it has to have always been funny and humiliating and gross always like people have must have that's the only way you survive is to understand that's like a funny but also gross thing right yeah to drown in shit like yeah that's totally true like what did peasants think in that moment like they had what ah. like what if we in our in our day like if you were following twitter that day you find out that like jeff bezos and william shatner were going to space right and then and then you like get off twitter for a day 
And then the next day you find out that because of some crazy, like, mishap, the whole capsule got filled with shit. (laughs) And Jeff Bezos and William Shatner died in space, drowning in (laughs) shit. And imagine that, just being like, wait, Wait, huh? Yeah. (laughs) How? Right. No, it it is. uh, Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Like, it's a mind-boggling story that is simultaneously so funny it 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 is the perfect like meshing of comedy and tragedy yeah and especially at the time like the number of like people who probably equated this to some sort of act of god religious like thing right because like the irony of this right yeah it's like i don't know what i don't know like the specifics of who was good and who was bad as like you know in monarchies back then those specifics are meaningless right like they're like ultimately they they don't they don't have any like there's yeah like there's no there's no ability to ascertain heroes and villains in history from such a like a distance and lens all i know all we know is people drown in shit that's the only like empirical thing we know and not only that for a time the Holy Roman Emperor was a man who only a few years prior had called a meeting and then watched 60 people die. Right, right. It was the Holy Roman Empire, uh, Emperor for 20, 21, 22 years. And here's a guy who's like leading the entire empire and, and like a certain number of people just know like, dude, that dude watched 60 people die. And, yeah. And poop because he called a meeting yeah the photo in context i love the 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 uh illustration they used yeah for it because it's not him at the disaster Mm -mm. but knowing that he was just sitting in a similar throny situation watching it all and his expression is blank expression (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just like this could just be the moment he watched the floor fall (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just okay, I guess. Oh, can somebody get me out of here? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, he, like he can't move because he has to go <laughs> over it to like. So he's just sitting there until someone figures everything out and like gets him out of there. Well, one of the articles I read about it said that there was speculation that he himself, like the alcove he was on, he was on one of the uh-huh. toilets. Like, there's like that's a speculative concept that he was shitting funny and that's why he was saved was because he wasn't literally there for the floor to collapse it all comes full circle from your dying on the toilet to living surviving yeah exactly oh my god i hope he didn't like immediately look up at god and realize that this was some like your message you know Imagine that. There's an alternate universe where, because of that, most of the Holy Roman Empire, for some reason, started worshipping Yeah, poop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- these are the things that... These are the moments that we we really should have called more attention to in our history. Like, less of the... Yeah. Less of the Martin Luthers, more of the King Henry VI surviving the Erfurt mm-hmm. Richard disaster. This page should be at least as long as Christopher Lee's. Honestly... 
Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at the the talk page for a second to see. Uh, <laughs> Is it just a bunch of lols? I hope so. Someone says. I, uh, I don't know what the context is yet. Someone answered uh, questioning too, but it says, for anyone saying it's a hoax, who exactly hoaxed this? <laughs> Would it have been the German language version of Wikipedia? It is not only a, oh, a much more lengthy version of this article, but also includes separate Wikipedia page on many of the nobles who died. I did, I will say, I did go to the, the, the German Wikipedia and did like the Google Translate. Mm-hmm. Germans are taking mm-hmm. good care of their Wikipedia. There's a lot of articles about random Hell German yeah. nobility on German Wikipedia. Mm. Fuck yeah. Um, I love this. I love the tone, the defensive tone of this. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> the poop thing happened, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you believe me? Would it have been the town of Erfurt itself <laughs> yeah. who literally included the event firsthand in its town? Crime? I love the the question. Who's saying it's a hoax? Literally, there's nothing about it being a hoax <laughs> on any of Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is too yeah. good. I love a German for like the way that it's named. Like it's such a good Erfurter Latrinensters. Yeah. Sounds like um, a Christopher Lee album. It does. It does. Honestly, that probably it probably deserved a song on a metal album. Yeah, Christopher Lee really missed it. There probably too. is one yeah, on yeah, like YouTube is. with like fifty listens. There is definitely. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. I'm literally looking up Erfurter Latrine and Sturt's song. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> hey, amazing. Good stuff, right? A classic, wow. easy, open and shut case of uh, yeah. the floor giving out and drowning in poop. We do our best when we, when we bridge the historical with the toilet humor related. That's really, that's really oh. when we're at our best. So... It really it is. is. Uh, I hope, you know, I think this is probably a good point to end a classic open and shut episode. Um, and hey, we're we're, we're back, back, guys and gals. You know? We are back. I hope you enjoyed. Just when you thought. Hopefully, not even hopefully, it will not be as long before our next episode. It may be longer no. than it used to be. Y'all need right. to start getting used to tempering your expectations on things that you are yeah, that's excited right. about. Maybe learn yeah. some self-control. But yeah. exactly. we'll see you again. We'll see you again. We'll, we'll be, be back. back. We'll be back. All right. Thank you all for listening. All right. uh, you can potentially get a hold of us on Instagram or Twitter. I haven't checked the Gmail in like two months. So try an email. We'll see I forgot got. we had one. All right. Love you all. All right, adios. Adios. Love you.